Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Married by Morning by Lisa Clavis. This is published in 2010 and is number four in the Hathaway series. We have reviewed the first three in the series previously on Plot Trists, and you guys will know that in all of the previous books we were like obsessed with Leo and Marx, and this is finally their book. It's very exciting for us to read, so. Without further ado, the book jacket. He is everything she wants to avoid. For two years, Catherine Marks has been a paid companion to the Hathaway sisters, a pleasant position with one caveat. Her charge's older brother, Leo Hathaway, is thoroughly exasperating. Cat can hardly believe that their constant arguing could mask a mutual attraction. But when one quarrel ends in a sudden kiss, Cat is shocked at her powerful response, and even more so when Leo proposes a dangerous liaison. She is not at all what she seems. Leo must marry and produce an heir within a year to save his family home. Catherine's respectable demeanor hides a secret that would utterly destroy her. But to Leo, Cat is intriguing and infernally tempting, even to a man resolved never to love again. The danger Cat tried to outrun is about to separate them forever, unless two wary lovers can find a way to banish the shadows and give in to their desires. Uh, I mean, it's not a great jacket, but... No! I'm so sad. Yeah, on the other hand, I really reflects the book, because the book is kind of like, what is going on? Here's... I don't know. So, one, this whole Leo must marry and produce an heir thing is barely a conflict in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, even from the second he finds out, his response is sort of shrug, it's just a house. Right. Like, it'd be great to keep it, but I'm not going to, like, change my whole life over a piece of property. Right. Which is hilariously different than that is usually handled, but to make it such a big deer in the jacket is pretty inauthentic. Yeah, but what is the true conflict in this book? That's what's so, it's very weird, you know? It's hard to figure it out. I mean, honestly... It's just enemies to lovers. That's really the only actual conflict. Right. So he's got this weird caveat of I'll never love again because of his tragic dead fiance. And also because I just don't care. And she's got, I have this dark past that I'm like living under a fake identity for. Haha, secret identity. We're just doing all the tropes first. But... (laughs) But but that's not really a conflict between them. Like, basically, they both have their own issues they're still working through. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call it the conflict in their love story. The conflict in their love story is learning to like each other. Right. I, I just love... I feel like the character study is really good. And the, the, we have talked about this so many times on the podcast lane. Basically, if you give us two characters who we love together, we don't care about the plot. This book is the perfect example of that sentiment. I loved this book. I could not put it down. The plot is a hot mess, and it's terrible. It has a <laughs> lot of the overdramatic worst thing that can happen to a woman, aside from actual rape, stuff that I can't stand. It has a woman running rather than standing up for herself. Like If this were the first book in the series, I would have hated it. 
minus mm-hmm. all of the amazing sex. Mm-hmm. But because I've been falling in love with these two characters and their dynamic for three books, the fact that you gave me a book where like they literally just spend the whole time talking. Like the book is, there's so no real external conflict. You never have to see them independent of one another. Yes. And like, so usually I hate that. I mean, like this conflict is stupid. This villain is one dimensional. They neither of them have a real problem. Instead, I'm like, give me more Leo and Marks. I'm so glad I don't have to read about anyone else. Just put them together. I'm fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I had upon sober reflection. Is this plot good? No. When you're reading the book, it doesn't matter at all because Leo and Marks together are amazing. I almost gave this five stars and then I went, I morally can't. Like the plot is a disaster, but I don't care at all. I know. I I really, I do. It was, it's funny because I've really been pushing the whole Leo and Marks. I think Leo's character development is perhaps the best that uh, Clapus has ever written for any of her characters. Well, we need to talk about him in more depth, but first we do have to do our random number summaries. I forgot we didn't, I forgot we hadn't done those yet, Lane. (laughs) We're so into this book, guys, we can't even remember the structure of our own show. Very true. So this week, the randomly generated number was the 39. Meg, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Leo's got a tortured past that he covers up with his sardonic humor. Kat's got a tortured past that she keeps completely buried. Does Kat need a manic pixie dream boy's assistance? Probably not, but she gets it anyway. That is perfect. Meg. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. <laughs> you captured both of What's their yours? characters so much better than the jacket did. Okay, so mine. <laughs> There's a fine line between love and hate, but it's not a line at all, and she's all that happens, where her newly blonde hair is down and the glasses uh, stay on, but it's perfect, and insatiable attraction ensues. It's it's so true. I mean, it's it's so true. We don't care what happens as long as they're together. And it's funny, I make a couple of references in the rest of my notes to 90s romances. Mm-hmm. Like, there is something so cinematic about the way they interact with each other. There is. You're right. I agree. I, I agree. I could see it being a movie with a different, like, totally different plot, but a lot oh. of the same elements. But, like, I think a lot of the scenes between them, especially within the trope, Wendy's to Lover's Paradigm mm-hmm. are the sweeping moments where he sees her in the new light for the first time and they just jump each other's bones and it doesn't make sense and then they have to awkwardly try to avoid each other. Like, I've seen that in so many movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So what are some other tropes, Meg, before we do um, a deep character study of Leo Hathaway? I know. I know. <laughs> so we have the enemies to lovers. We have the time limit for marriage in an air. The, he, we have the I'll never marry someone I could love. So I think those three we already talked about. Yeah. There is also sort of a, a MacGuffin of a love triangle. I mean, it's, it's not, not a MacGuffin it's, to the reader. Right. It's well. So what happens is the anyway. There's a love triangle thing. Um. The 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 what's it called the codicil in the will is what Mm -hmm. means Leo has to marry. Of course, they haven't heard about it. He's been the Viking for years at this point, Mm -hmm. maybe. It must have been three or four because 
I think he has to marry and produce an heir before the fifth year is up. Right. And, and they haven't, they've never even heard of it basically because the, the people who would have inherited really didn't care either because, um, it was a ruin. Right. They're like, we don't care. Um, but then they, they have ways to fix it up. But the, Um, so the, the women who would inherit meet him and they're like, oh, well, why don't you just marry this person, your distant cousin? And that way it'll solve all of our problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're supposed to think, oh, Leo is, might actually be considering this marriage, but. Mark thinks Leo might actually be considering it. The reader knows he's not. I mean, yes, where we. Yes, this was not a Lady Sherlock where I actually thought um, one of the characters might have been considering marriage. Um, and I was really Leo's upset Leo's basically saying she's boring and he's not interested. Like, yeah. and he's been saying the whole time out loud since he found out about this code cell, like, I don't care, I will not marry for this reason. Yeah, yeah, he's like, it's a so like, good it's, reason to marry, yeah. Right, so like, it, the, the, Leo, it's not just like the reader sees through whatever the author is trying to do. Cleopas is not trying to convince the reader this is a real option. That's very true. That's true. Uh, this is a title um, of the thing. But there are the all these book. extra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then perhaps Lane's favorite couple, uh, favorite, perhaps Lane's favorite trope, the battle couple. When it's done well, it's great. I love the way yeah. the two of them snark at each other. And I oh, love yeah. that the snarking doesn't end when they start to like each other. Oh, no. It's, it it's just becomes awesome good-natured as opposed to vicious. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, but of course, behind all that snarking is just insatiable lust. Well, and this takes it up to 11. Like, they cannot be in a room together without jumping each other's bones. Mm-hmm. even when they supposedly don't like each other. And it gets to the point that he calls her out and he's like, Marks, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Because there's no telling what we're going to get up to. Goodbye. Yes. Well, he does that. And then also sometimes she goes in like supposedly innocently to make sure he's doing okay. So uh, a little bit of her comfort. But like scenes when the weather due to injury or illness or you know, recovering from a traumatic experience that shouldn't be sexy end up being, like, very explicit. <laughs> yes. And I do. Do, I'm i not complaining. Does it make any nope. sense? No, it does not. Do I care? I cannot stress nope. enough that I do not. Nope. Not one, not one single care. Exactly. Um, he calls her by her last name, and even though, like, obviously that's proper because she's the governess, companion, whatever. It's still, the way Clapus writes it makes it very clear it's a term of endearment. Yeah. And, like, he still calls her that after their, spoiler alert, ended up together. Yes. And I just, I love that. And I, honestly, it reminds me so much of Amelia Peabody. I in was going like, to say. Like, it's kind of a term of respect. Say, like, this is, I know, Lane, that you love this. I love it yeah. so much. I, I, I knew you would. I knew you loved it. I knew you loved it. <laughs> I did. I did. And I think we talked about this. She is a sad, tragic orphan. He's sort of a sad, tra- tragic orphan, except he has an amazing family. So kind he of. He has parents, but he has siblings. Her life right. was awful. 
Her life was real horrible. Her mother was a woman of low morals who abandoned her first family. Mm-hmm. And her father, when her mother got sick, peaced out and left her in the care of a brothel. Yes. Well, his sister. Right. Who was the madam of a brothel. Right. Right. So real and then, crappy. She had crappy parents and then it got even worse after they, her, her mother died. Yes. It's unclear. She's, she doesn't even know if her dad's still alive. No, no, like, she doesn't like, know. And she obviously does not care. Right. Um, so as such, because she ends up in a brothel, she ends up in a situation where she's expected to begin working. Mm-hmm. And so she is, you know, basically going to be sold to the highest bidder type thing. And this is a minor spoiler. Avoiding that is the reason she started going on the run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's very minor. You find out very early and clearly that's what happened. Right. But yep. I think we've seen this trope a thousand times, disappearing child bride, disappearing child who had been groomed for mistress from a very young age. Like I can think of three or four. They weren't all prostitution. Right. But I can think of three or four where women are in hiding from a man who was expected, who expected to own her, whether it was through marriage or anything else. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's a really, it's a trope that I think we both really dislike. Yeah, can't stand it. Did I and mention I love this book? Fact, we usually hate this trope. And I mean, I didn't love it here, but I do love our characters. So, you know. Yeah, it just, it worked really well. I mean, no, that's mm-hmm. a lie. It didn't work really well. Leo and Marx looked, worked so well, I could overlook almost anything. Exactly. That's the thing. I, I feel like this is something we talked about with um, Seduce Me by Sunrise, too. We were like, okay, this sucks, but we just love it. <laughs> right. Like, I, I will forgive it anything. Right. I, I think we said exactly the same thing about that book as we said about this one, that it was like a total hot mess, but that we we still like gave it five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I don't know what you want from me. And as we mentioned, she's living under a secret identity because she is on the run, TM. Correct. And then, yes, Lane talks about this in her um, summary, but she lets her... It's hot. She's someone who has been... This is what the she's all that comparison. Marx is clearly like a 15 out of 10 (laughs) and has been malnourished so she's kind of underweight and she's dressing in drab fashions and she wears her hair and dyes it dark and wears it very severely so like you don't realize how young she is that she's barely older than her charges or that she's like a natural stunner right and but, it takes like no real changes for leo to realize she's like a 10 out of 10 well and the thing is too even in the first book with where they meet so it, actually the second in the series they meet and even then and she's like at she's like super skinny and severe and strict and he's still like hmm, what would it be like if I could undo her corset and make her a little yeah. bit less you know like that's a woman so high strung you want to unlace her once again do I love that trope not always did it work here mm-hmm. yes it did yes it did 
Uh, can we talk about Leo now, Lane? <laughs> yes, now we can talk about Leo after we do the first several segments of the show. <laughs> Basically, I think I was telling Lane before this started that I feel like Leo is possibly Clapus's best developed character ever. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think his character growth is really good. He makes a great hero, and I really believed in his transformation. And granted, he had the benefit of beginning that transformation three books ago. Correct. This book was perfect and his character is perfect. I don't know if I would have liked this book at all if it had been the first book in the series. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I think it this is this book really benefits and Leo really benefits from being a part of a series. Most of the when you read the second or third in a series, it's it's nice to see these characters who you saw before, but they haven't really been delved into. And this mm-hmm. is one of the few series, I think, where that that actually works as character development spans several books. And the other thing I love is you'll notice we didn't put a whole lot of tropes about Leo in the trope section. Mm. And it's not yeah. because on the surface he isn't tropey. He's very much a reformed Drake, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Like his rakishness isn't treated as affability and like youthful irresponsibility. Right. Like he went through a tragedy and had very bad coping mechanisms and like makes it clear that being better than his former depressed self is constant work for him to a degree. Yes. That, you know, he, he also never, you could, you could say the trope, he was never supposed to inherit, but he's not defined by that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he just is really a complex character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make excuses for his rakishness. He obviously isn't proud of how he acted during those years, but he also has accepted that that was, you know, how he coped and that it's just that's his past and he has to live with it now. Mm hmm. I don't know. I I really like this character who, yes, made some <laughs> some very poor decisions in the past, but still loves his family. It it we have talked about other books where I didn't think addiction was handled very well, mm-hmm. and it's not delved into here. So this isn't like a, this is not a drug recovery book, you know? No. That said, like it is with more nuance here, and um, I like it. I, I like it better here than I did in others. Uh, also, because Definitely. you know, yes, Leo, Leo made these terrible decisions. He was addicted to drugs. He was an alcoholic, and he had a loving family who supported him the whole time. Yeah. So I, I actually like that nuance as well. I also really like. That his indiscriminate, you know, sleeping around wasn't the definition of his rakishness. Mm-hmm. And I like that we talked before about bad guys or guys in trouble often, like, they're too bad or they're not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Leo definitely has a past that sucked. He hurt people. He hurt himself. But because you've gotten to see his improvement slowly and that is it, it doesn't it can be shown and not told because they don't have to cram it into the first half of one book 
Mm-hmm. This book isn't melancholy at all. No, because, not at all. Like for, I feel like for Leo's characters, types of characters and books about his type of character, I usually end up rolling my eyes about what an angst fest it sort of is and how mm-hmm. questioning whether the person is authentically pro- troubled, really. Right. And in this case, because all of that work was done in the earlier book, this was able to be a story about a guy who was ready to live again without having to deal with the angst in the text. Right. It was awesome. I loved it. I really love Leo. He is, he may be my favorite Claypus hero of all time. <laughs> and I, I do love Marcus, but I love Leo more. Honestly, with the exception of Harry Rutledge, sorry, I like the men in this series a lot. Agreed. <laughs> Highly agreed. <laughs> so we've mentioned they were battle couple who sparred the whole time. So the this book is literally 50% them sniping at each other in a way that is really funny and great. And them being really honest, even when they're like, I don't like I want to jump you. They're saying things like that. I so it's like amazing. Loved, yes, I, I love the dialogue and I love the communication between them. I but, really felt like they were being honest with each other, as honest mm-hmm. as they could be, because... Of course, you know, Leo has said he doesn't want to love again. And um, he, I think part of his issue is he doesn't want to tell her he loves her, but he also doesn't want to acknowledge to himself that he loves her. So I could accept right. it here where a lot of places I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. But I'm like, oh, no, actually, Leo has a good reason for this, you know. <laughs> but it's also less angsty than that sounds. Like, yes. basically, at one point, the other characters realize something is going on between them. They don't know what, but somebody basically just says to him, you got to figure out what you're doing here, man. And his response is basically, I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's he's not like, angsty. It's not stressed yeah. about. Right. Yeah. He's just like, look, I, I get it. I agree with you. I don't disagree that I'm kind of messed up right now, you know? Well, and the, best, and the other 50%, so 50% of it is great dialogue, funny dialogue, really character building between them. And the other 50% is them hooking up. This mm-hmm. book is so sexy that I feel the need to mention it under quality. Like, this is one of the sexiest romance novels we've read in a while. It's it's super sexy. And then there are times where the dialogue, the battle couple dialogue, extends into the sexiness, and you're just like, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. The, the only parts of this book that I didn't like were when Leo and Marx were separated. That was such an insignificant percentage of the book. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, but if you think about it, that's when all of the plot comes in. That's where the love triangle comes in. Marx is not present oh. for the other couple. That's when she's in the brothel. That's when the other guy, whatever Lord Latimer is there. I was, mm-hmm. I just struck me and I was like, it's true. It's, it's only when they're separate that the plot advances. Because when they're together, they're just, it's just so, it's just such a pleasure to read. And I think it creates a really generic plot in a way. Like, she's kidnapped and he has to rescue her. It's just, I don't care. <laughs> Move along. Get back to being together. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I'm just like, yeah, get back together, you know? Whatever. The, yeah, the, the, 
we're not going to harp on it. The novel in and of itself, like the plot in and of itself is weird and stupid, but we just didn't care. Yeah. I, I cannot stress enough that I could go on a 20 minute rant about the things in this plot that made no sense. And that sort of offended me. Don't care. I don't have it in me. I love this book. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but Okay, there's this one part in the book. So again, I will say one more time that when I think of Lisa Kleypas, I don't think of amazing family dynamics, but the Hathaways are great and they have great family dynamics. Their family mm -hmm. feels like a real family. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Lane was talking about how everyone in the family kind of knows something is going on. Um, so at one point, his brothers-in-law tell him, like, Leo, you got to figure out what's going on. At one point, his sister Amelia, everyone knows you are obsessed with her. Can you just tone it down a little bit? Because he's like, what? He's like, no, I'm not obsessed with her. And he's like, Leo, you can't hide it. Oh, my God. There's such a trope we forgot because we don't care. This is, Amelia sort of says this to him when she's in the process of planning a giant ball that is specifically for him to meet eligible young women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally just forgot to mention that because once again, don't care. Don't care also did not play a huge role at all in this book. Right. So there's all these like, like tropey what? things going on in the background that you just check out on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I did have to mention this because I feel like somebody, the, well, the hero of each book gets cock-blocked at one point or another. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, in, in previous books, we talked about it. We talked about, you know, when Harry gets cock-blocked. Oh no, Leo got cock-blocked in the last book. Remember? Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, he, he gets cock-blocked again in this book. He basically rushes up to Marx's room to keep her from dyeing her hair again because it's just so amazing when it's blonde. <laughs> you can't and make this up. No, no, we're not making this up. And it devolves into, you know, a major makeout session on the floor of her room because he, he literally tackles her to get her away from the hair dye. <laughs> it's fine. I loved it. I don't know why I'm angry. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And she's like, stop it, get off of me. But not because she's not attracted to him, but because she wants to keep dyeing her hair. <laughs> and, you know, then they start making out. And then Cam is like, um, Leo. <laughs> Everyone else knows that you're in there. To her room. Like, you gotta be chiller about this, man. I'm obsessed. So funny it's so funny and in a different book I probably would have hated it mm -hmm. and I loved it so anyway what who what do you want to bet on for Beatrix what she who, who is so number one who's going to get caught blocked in Beatrice's book and number two who's going to do it I honestly don't remember my guess is it's one of her animals is going to stop her suitor okay that's my bet. The only other thing, though, is like it's a non-zero possibility that she's going to need a sibling's help. And like it's Leo and Marx again. Could be Leo and Marx. Could be Harry and Poppy. Who knows? Could be Sam and Amelia again. Could like 
it could be, I'm, I'm not convinced it's going to be B. It's true. It's very true. I don't know. My money's on the animal and B. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're playing Clue, you know? <laughs> yep. We'll, we'll find out because we're going to read it, you guys. Oh, obviously. We're going to finish this one now. And then I also loved his little romantic gesture where he buys her glasses, Lane. It's so good for it so song. many reasons. Mm -hmm. And I can't get into it because of the spoilers, but like, let's just say her glasses are central to the, what I would call traditional romancy moments. Yes. Like where he kind of shows he's considerate and aware of her more than she realized. Her glasses are always central. Exactly. And it plays into it plays into that where, you know, he he's like, we're going to go on an outing to an optometrist. And it's just like, oh, by that point, you're just like, oh, my God, Leo's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. <sighs> so uh, we like this book. I don't know. Yeah. It's like everything about it, like we said, are these big bombastic moments and this very thinly constructed plot that like we should have hated and we didn't. So um, did anything about this offend you? <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of content warnings we should point out. Mm -hmm. So we already mentioned this, but Marx's past, she came from an abusive background so mm -hmm. her parents were abusive and neglectful and then when her mother died she was raised in a brothel so there you go there's a big one right there so then you also have prostitution you have children in prostitution mm -hmm. um and then you have a guy who has gotten very close to having sex with her without her consent on several occasions and it's in the text and it's in the text yeah and then i will point out before we move into sexiness that we did find this book extremely sexy that said there is some dubious consent because this is a clapus i mean let's not split hairs here she writes a lot of dubcon scenes you know yeah so so sue me, it is also very sexy. I don't know what else to tell you. Well, and it's stuff like um, both of them at various points are on mind-altering substances and hook up while that is happening. Mm -hmm. um, some of their interactions start when one of them is not fully conscious. Yes. But then also, even when they're fully conscious, she gets a little bit coerced into their first encounter, for example, because yeah. he's like, well, what's going to, if I leave this room, what are you, what are they going to think? You know, they're mm -hmm. very, it's, it's like Downton Abbey with what, you know, remember Lady Mary and that dude? And he's like, you can scream, but what are they going to think? You know, it's a little less gross than that, I feel like, but it marginally. is less gross than that. It is less he also uses sex to manipulate her explicitly. Yeah. I found oh. it very hot. <laughs> Look, I love the, I always, always 
love that reversal where he's like, oh, you're not going to marry me? Well, then I guess you're not going to have any of this body for a while. I love when, like, men are the ones who are like, I'm withholding sex. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Look, let's, you, that's a very good point. I was being, I was talking around the subject, but you're right. If it's the man who's withholding sex for, because he wants to marry her, I, I don't care. I will read it right. and I will love it. Right. It also also happens in the Raven Prince. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> what can I say? I don't have very many intelligent things to say about this book. I'm gonna. I want to read it again tomorrow. I'm obsessed with it. I will say, this is the only book I've ever read that made me think. Hmm. Maybe taking opium is worth it just for the withdrawal effects. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think it's true, but it made for some good reading, Lane. And I actually like love it. It's so weird and so hilarious. And Leo is he the thing is he's like she's coming down major opium high. And he's like, Oh, I know what this is like because I have I used to be addicted to opium, basically, right? Right. So he's like, I can take care of you. It's so Clapus, too, because he's like, I'll take care of you. And he does. And, and he does. I will just say it's like three or four times in one night, because that's how long it takes to come down from opium, apparently. But we just complained about the dubious consent. He won't have sex with her when she's high on opium, but he will give her orgasms. <laughs> right, because it's part of her recovery process, apparently. <laughs> it's morally, it's it's how you get around the consent issue. If he doesn't get off yeah. and doesn't put his penis in her, it's not questionable consent, no matter how high she is. I don't I know mean, if you need the rules. These are the rules. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, Lane. I kind of loved it because I was just like a whole chapter of just like this night of her coming off of this terribly traumatic experience and being drugged and she's just like I just need sex now do I think this is how opium withdrawal works no do I understand that if I was listening to me talk right now I'd be like there's no way that's sexy I don't know what to tell you guys I, this is my truth I'm speaking my truth read look read the book this is one where I honestly am going to recommend reading the whole series for this book because this book but the other books are good too you're not reading anything you're gonna too. that's true no i'm sorry the other books are good too but i love this book i don't recommend reading this book without having read the first three right oh you know this book i think would have been terrible without context <laughs> i can imagine you lane being like what book <laughs> but as it is five stars yeah, no, absolutely. Highly recommend. You should check this out. Do not skip the first three in the series, though. Not that you would want to. And, um, and please allow us to continue reveling in our shame of how much we love this. Yeah. Um, like we will ramble on our own time, though. So rate, review, subscribe. Check us out on Instagram and Goodreads. That's at Plot Trists. And we'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening.